0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of AMA. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm gonna be answering your questions. And the first question comes to us from Michelle. I wanna be an entrepreneur and my own boss. I know what I am passionate about, i.e., dogs traveling wellness fashion. I know my strengths and weaknesses, and I'm starting later in life, 40. I do not know what to do with those passions or how to translate them over to a business. Any advice on how to take the things I love and figure out what value I can add to these passions that would afford me to create a business? Thank you. Um, So there are in those arenas, there are many things that you could be doing to add value, um, just like off the top of my head. so if you wanted to do dogs there's obviously dog walking businesses, dog grooming businesses, you could uh, be an affiliate marketer for dog products there's so much money to be made around pets and so a lot of this is going to come down to what's your personality? Do you want to be in the service business in which case dog grooming or dog walking or something along those lines would be great? you could start a um, oh god what are those called like hotels for dogs i'm forgetting oh there's a name a kennel but like the upscale kennels when people are going away um so you could do that <clears throat> on the traveling front you could be a travel blogger you could be um depending on what it is exactly about travel that you like you could work for a hotel and oftentimes they rot- that rotate their employees so you don't necessarily have to start your own business with that um you could be Um, a tour guide like there are several ways um, and I feel like if you did because those are not great examples I'll be really honest but I feel like if you did uh, just a couple minutes of searching on Google uh, for you know jobs relating to travel that you could find something or businesses relating to travel I think that you'd find a ton wellness certainly you could be um, a trainer you could be a wellness influencer you could go into holistic medicine Um, there are a lot of ways that you can get involved in in the world of wellness as a um, as a business owner that that one there's no shortage Um, there's apparel there's all kinds of stuff and since you have an interest in fashion even doing like wellness um, fitness apparel things like that um, but yeah there's there's a whole universe of ways in which you can get involved in that stuff you need to be doing an audit excuse me, you need to do an audit of your particular personality type, the things that you want to be doing, the things you find interesting, whether that's service or product based, um, because there are real world things to face with the different types of businesses that you're going to get into. Um, If it's a business that you're building just to run or a business that you're building to sell, um, if you're building something that you want to sell, you're definitely not going to want to be in the services business. You're going to want to be in the uh, product business that sells for a much higher multiple. So um, just things to think about there. Fashion is probably probably going to require, if you want to actually create your own brand, a lot of capital. Uh, But you could be a fashion blogger or photographer or something along those lines, which have a much much lower um, barrier to entry. So again, it's you know going back to, um, you say you know your strengths and weaknesses, really mapping those to the types of businesses that you want to do, I think would be super important. All right, next up is Shaquille Khan. Let's create a scenario. Picture that you're currently working a nine to five job five days a week. By the time you're home and finished Bits and Bobs at 7 p.m., how are you supposed to find the energy and motivation to do some work and the things you love after work? Work really drains me and I work hard in whatever I do, but I'm wasting all of my energy at work rather than on myself. All right, so here's the amazing answer. This is a very simple one to solve. What you're going to do is you're going to go to bed very, very early. So I'm talking about um, if you're done with your bits and bobs at seven, you're gonna be in bed by 7.30. And then you're going to wake up really early. Now, if you go to bed at 7.30 p.m., even if you slept 12 hours, you're up at 7.30. AM, which would probably get you um, on time to your job at 9. You're not gonna sleep 12 hours a night unless you have a disorder. So now let's start backing it up. You might sleep 10 hours a night for a while. That really is true if you've been living in a sleep deficit for a long time. Uh, And you might find that getting rid of that sleep deficit is really powerful in terms of giving you the energy and all of that that you need. Also, we need to make sure that your diet is on point. That's really critical for energy level. I mean, really critical. I cannot overstate that one. Um, And then I think realistically, once you start allowing your body to sleep until it wakes up, maybe you started getting 10 hours a night, then it dials back to nine. I think you'll probably settle in somewhere between eight and nine hours. Um, So now all of a sudden you have three, four plus hours in the morning before you go to work that you can dedicate to yourself. And so if you flip your day and do the things when you're most energetic in the morning to building yourself up, I think that that will be a huge game changer for you. There's a reason that so many successful people have religious morning routines. And I'm telling you, I'm psychotic about mine because I want to make sure that I'm able to execute against my important things list, that I know exactly what I should be doing, where I should be spending my time. And when you do that, one, you're not wasting time thinking of what you should be doing. And two, you do it before you do anything else. So you make sure that the day is not getting away from you. So that Shaquille is my advice. All right next up is Anonymous. And by the way, if you want to submit questions, you can submit them to ama at impacttheory.com. Use the subject line AMA question. And if you want to remain anonymous, as this person does, that is absolutely fine as well. And by the way, if we have any comic book fans out there, we're about to be on shelves with our IT comic book. First up, Neon Future done in conjunction with Steve Aoki. Uh, Be sure to check that out on shelves, March 27th. All right, question is from Anonymous. I've been struggling to resist the urge to compare my lives with that of my peers and family. I'm in my late 20s, and I'm still very much in my Kevin Kelly's phase of getting lost and not trying to prematurely optimize my fascinations. While I already know that my personal and career goals are very different from that of my peers and family, and I'm happy with what I'm currently pursuing, I can't seem to shake these isolating and lonely feelings that I'm missing out on being there for big milestones in my family and friends' lives while I'm across the country pursuing my goals? Is this something that can be reconciled and how can I change my mindset to not be so hyper-focused on comparison? So this really comes down to what do you want in life and you're going to really need to lean into that and if what you're doing is just sort of interesting to you then maybe it's not worth being there pursuing um, pursuing your goals because your goals may not mean that much to you and that's why you've got this siren call to return home to be a part of that. Now if on the other hand these goals are really meaningful to you and that is why you're so far away pursuing that stuff, then may I give you a mantra that Lisa and I use all the time. We chose this life. We chose this this life because that is a powerful reminder that my life is exactly the way that i've constructed it that i'm doing the things that i'm doing because i believe in it and i want to have that kind of impact and it's exactly the kind of life that i would build from the ground up and that doesn't mean that it doesn't have ups and downs it doesn't mean that it doesn't have trade-offs it absolutely does but i chose this life i've built it intentionally because it is the life that maximizes my sense of fulfillment and that at the end of the day is what it's all about are you fulfilled? Are you busting your ass to build a skill set that means something to you and that has value not just to you, but to other people as well? If you're doing that, then feed into that. Remind yourself that you built this life. Remind yourself of what this stuff means to you. And every time that you're missing out on something, don't focus on the thing that you're missing out on. Focus on what you're getting by pursuing these dreams and what you're gonna bring to the world and how you're going to um, continue to drive yourself, to be a better version of yourself, to convert that potential and to actually realize Utility. Now, if you're doing that over and over and over, I think that over time you will see that you begin to have less negative impact from the times where you're missing something because you've really built that desire into your life to transform yourself into somebody capable of doing the thing that you're pursuing. And that as long as that gives you deep meaning in life, I think that you'll see that the trade-offs on the other stuff is is pretty small. The problem is oftentimes people are pursuing something that they don't really care about or they haven't taken the time, even though they care about it, they haven't taken the time to really build in the intensity and turn that um, want into a crushing need. And I think once you do that, I think you're going to find that a lot of that comparison begins to drop away because at a neurochemical level, you're really going to be nourishing yourself with what you're doing and pursuing. All right, next up is Josh. I'm 24, currently in a field that I have been in for four years now. I've cycled through the different subfields, but have not found something I feel passionate about and anything that I feel I'm having traction in. I keep thinking I should stick it out. The change is just around the corner. On top of that, my old man has a business in the same field. And there has been talk about myself moving into the business, but I don't know if I want it. So from all of that, I feel stuck, unmotivated and lacking drive to perform, which is shown. Should I still stick it out in my current field or venture into something new, regardless of never trying new fields? So here's the thing. If you're conflicted, you at least need to go try this stuff. It can be a nights and weekends thing. You don't have to try these things um, you know, by burning the ships and like, oh, I'm leaving my business and I want nothing to do with this. It doesn't have to be like that. Like there is some amount of spare time where you could go engage with those things and you will see very quickly whether as you engage with it they are so much fun that you're like, wow, I really don't care what I'm giving up. I want to be the best in the world at this. Like there is something that you could go and pursue becoming the best in the world that would fill you with excitement in a way that you can't yet imagine. Go find that thing. Now, it's going to require that you explore. It's going to require that you try things. It's not going to be something that you can just think your way into. And since we've already mentioned Kevin Kelly, I will bring him up again. You have to go play, go get lost. You can't prematurely optimize, which it sounds like is exactly what's happening to you. And so if you're not sure if you want your dad's business, let me tell you the easiest way to figure that out is to go try some other things. You may try those things and realize, oh my God, I want my dad's business. These other things suck. And now I realize, and having tried them, I realize just how much I actually love this thing and now that pathway opens up to you you can feed into that you can begin to tell yourself and others how much you love that thing you can begin to focus on how becoming the best in the world at that thing is actually giving you the skill set that's going to allow you to serve yourself and serve other people and let that drive the meaning in your life and then all of a sudden as you begin to build that inferno it really takes over and it takes on a life of its own and yes you're going to need to continue to feed it But when you build that thing, it's radiating off all this heat, all this energy, because you're legitimately excited about the thing that you're doing. But if you've never tried other things and they continue to haunt you, nights and weekends, man, get out there, try this stuff, see. And then if something just knocks your socks off and you're like, whoa, I've never felt about anything the way that I feel about this. And it's just calling to me. And even though I may not ever be able to make as much money doing this thing, it makes me so much happier. Remember, the day-to-day part of your life, the thing that you do on a day-to-day basis and how it makes you feel, that is your life. No matter how much money you make, your life is actually the thing that you do on a day-to-day basis. So you want to make sure that you're doing something that fills you up. And I really think the right question to answer in a case like this is what do you want to be the best in the world at? Because when you know that thing that you're willing to bleed for, that becoming truly extraordinary, and the boredom that you're going to have to fight through, and all of that, once you know what that thing is, that you want to do that, that it fills you up, that it gives you more energy than it's taking, that it's filling you with excitement, and there's just something about the struggle and the grind of that particular thing that amps you up. And when you think about how good you're going to get, that fills you with this energy and excitement that gets you out of bed and gets you going. And look, not every day is going to be roses, but there is something out there that's going to really light you on fire and or when you do those other things, you realize just how good the thing is that you already have. But either way, you have to go try. All right. Design crowd. Speaking of trying new and crazy things... I want to take a second to tell you guys about our sponsors over at designcrowd.com. DesignCrowd is a website where you can crowdsource any design you'll ever need by over 680,000 great designers from all over the world who will work on your project at a price of your choice, believe it or not, so that you can try crazy things that you've never thought of yourself before. It's a really extraordinary way to not only just get designs done if you don't know how to design, but to get fresh ideas, things that you would never think of. So whether you're a photographer, accountant, or small business owner, Design Crowd can help with your next logo, business card, or other project needs so be sure to check them out at designcrowd.com forward slash impact theory and by the way the great thing about this site is that within just hours of posting your project you'll receive dozens of creative designs and ideas from people all over. Over the world. And right now, as a special just for our audience, they're offering a $100 VIP discount when you start your next project. So go to designcrowd.com forward slash impact to learn more. That's designcrowd.com slash impact, or you can just enter the promo code impact over at designcrowd.com. All right. The next question is from Justin. I'm at a crossroads and unable to make a massive decision that will affect the rest of my life. I found my passion in life and that thing that I would do almost every day if money was no object, that is riding and racing motorcycles. The trouble is that my passion is extremely expensive and costs over 25,000 per year minimum out of my pocket to do at the level that will allow me to ever be noticed professionally. I currently make less than 50K per year with almost no upside, at my day job and I'm positive I will never be satisfied working for someone else's dreams because of this I started a side business that can allow me to work on something with real potential upside my question is do I pursue the thing I love indefinitely and live completely broken hopes that something works out or do I put racing on hold and use up those funds and focus on the business and getting out of the day job okay So this is where we have to remind ourselves that what we do on a day to day basis is really all that matters and grinding it out for the hopes that one day it turns into something is a very dangerous strategy, because I will tell you right now, the struggle is guaranteed. The success is not. So going and doing something that you hate in the hopes that it will make you enough money that you can one day go do your thing is is not a uh, wise choice. On the other hand, I really believe that there are ways that you can get much closer to the thing that you love, to meet the people that you need to meet, to be in a position where um, luck may rear its head. And as they say, luck is like a bus. There's another one coming all the time. You just have to have the fare to get on. So if you're working for a company that does this for a living, being closer to racing, being some part of that machinery so that you know all the players, that you can tell them what you're up to, where you want to go. And if you're delivering a crushing amount of value, you are the best employee that they have. They have crushing fear of loss of losing you because you're that fucking good. Let me tell you, there are gonna be opportunities that will open up for you where even if it's just you wanna be introduced to people, um, that you want access to something that maybe they can get for free that you can't get, um, that is certainly what I would do. I would just say that proximity is very meaningful. So going and getting a job with a team that you really respect, that you wanna be a part of, being around the motorcycle racing. So that way, even if like you never end up becoming a racer, because you know, look, I wanna say that it is possible, and it certainly is possible, but But also the odds are gnarly, right? And when I think about trying to build the next Disney, the odds are just so far stacked against me. And that's why I'm really careful to make sure that I love what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. That way, it's like somewhat irrelevant whether I actually pull it off or not. It comes down to I will have loved every day busting ass trying to do it. Um, And so I'm obviously always trying to put myself in the best position to meet the people that can help me and all that. Um, And so that is very much my suggestion. Make sure that what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, even if you never become the racer that you want to become, is something that you love and enjoy, which one will take some of the pressure off of whether you actually become um, the racer or not. And then the other is being around those people and being able to make an appeal um, to get opportunities to open up to you is really, really critical. And then the other thing is, what are things that you can do to really become extraordinary that don't cost as much money? Um, Are there simulators? I mean, there are simulators for airplanes, so I don't know. Are there simulators for motorcycles? And you could be doing things that are so incredible there. One, that you'll see if you really want to um, go to that professional level. A lot of times people enjoy something as a hobby, but not as a profession because you have to fight through a lot of boredom do something over and over and over and over and over uh, to really become extraordinary at it Um, and then also like there's the burn the ships at the shore routine and you can go and say man No matter what, I'm going to make this happen and I'm going to give everything up that isn't pointed in that direction. Um, Personally, I'm not a big fan of that. I think that there are ways to uh, protect your downside, to hedge your bets. But if you really want to become one of the most elite writers on the planet, there is an inhuman amount of sacrifices that are going to have to be made. And so the question is, how many of them can you make up front to get the attention of the right people, to find a way to get around the $25,000, to make somebody believe in you enough to sponsor you or whatever the case may be? Um, So... This is really a question of like, what's your temperament? So um, for me, I would rather take a longer term approach that I can do, um, never hedging my or hedging my downside so that there's never a termination event um, and I'm probably more flexible. Of like, I want to be in the world of something rather than like either I'm the best racer of all time or I'm out because here's the reality about being the best racer of all time. Like that shit is fickle. Like there's a reason there's no 65 year old um, motorcycle racers, um, you know, in the main circuit. It's just a young man's game. That is the unfortunate reality. So um, anything like that, I'm always trying to think about career longevity, and um, that is far more interesting to me. So anyway, the long and the short of it is, you're going to have to get extraordinary at something. And that's either getting so extraordinary that even as an unknown, that you're able to get the attention of people who now want to sponsor you or to be so extraordinary that you can get inside the company and they have fear of loss and they will give you access to things that they might not otherwise give you, um, or even just getting so good at something that they value that you can make enough money there, you know, call it $150,000, $250,000, where you could then afford um, the money to do this uh, very expensive thing. But it is very possible to get that good at a job so that you're getting paid that much. I'm just saying make sure that that job is something that you love enough to really become the best in the world at it, to be able to demand that kind of salary. Brian Kirsten. I have had a big time struggle approaching women. I see guys do it all the time and I'm getting pretty smooth when it's in passing, but on a cold approach, I let too much get into my head because I've had experiences where I feel like the girls get great satisfaction out of shooting me down. I am 27 and still struggling with this in a new city of Tampa, Florida, where there are just an insurmountable, I'm guessing amount of beautiful women all around. How can I get over myself to not feel like I am not overwelcoming myself to a conversation with women, especially those in groups, which is extremely nerve-wracking for me. I don't want women to feel like they have to be uncomfortable going places because of the because of the guy that they didn't want to talk to. Okay, so here's the reality. I think you have to go into every one of these exchanges saying I'm going to learn something in this exchange. So rather than trying to close, rather than going in and saying this conversation is going to result in me getting laid or this conversation is going to result in me getting a girlfriend, this conversation is going to result in me learning something. And that's extremely interesting. So if you're coming into, one of the most important things about confidence, which is the universal aphrodisiac for men and women, the... Number one thing to that is you've got to be doing something that you're doing for your own sake. You're not doing to impress them or please them. You're there to get something out of it for yourself. You have your own agenda. You're not worried about what they think. And so if you're coming into it and you're just like, I'm going to learn something at this and I'm going to be practicing, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. Like, let's say that what we're really dealing with is anxiety. And so it's like, okay, I need to practice going and being myself, which by the way is essentially um, the only version of this that I recommend. I was just talking to somebody who uses all these like dating techniques and nagging and all that stuff. And I think that's really actually quite effective at getting you laid, um, but can be terrible for setting you up for a long-term relationship. So as a guy who focuses far more on long-term relationships, I will say that that's my advice. But anxiety can actually stop you from being your normal self. And I think one of the most extraordinary um, things I ever heard in a master class commercial was the one where um Helen Mirren is saying she walks across the room and sits down and she said, I just did the hardest thing that you'll ever have to do in acting, which is walk normally when all the cameras are on you. And I thought, oh, man, that is so true. Like when you're approaching people and all eyes are on you, just being normal becomes like this really hard thing. So if we say, all right, I'm going to practice that. That's going to be my agenda here. I'm going to practice approaching like the biggest group of people, the one that is almost certain to shoot me down. But all I'm trying to get out of this, I'm not trying to get laid. I'm not trying to get a girlfriend. I'm simply trying to get practice to be myself, to approach authentically, to not be like, where the fuck am I? putting put my hands like to just walk up and start engaging. And if you do that and you know that this is all about overcoming your fear and, um, making so many approaches per night and that you're going to emotionally reward or emotionally punish yourself based on whether or not you live up to the numbers that you set for yourself. So I'm going to approach three unproachable packs of women a night, three nights a week. <clears throat> okay, we either do it or we don't. And if we do it, then we're going to emotionally reward ourselves for doing what we said we were going to do. And if we don't, we're going to emotionally punish ourselves for failing to do what we said we were going to do. Then it becomes about the thing that you're doing for yourself and trying to learn and seeing like, you know, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And you could even ask. I don't think you'll actually get very accurate answers, but I think that um, by asking, by giving yourself a pivot point in the conversation where it was like, at first I was just trying to be natural. It didn't work. I can see something is off. And now I just want to ask like, hey, what about my approach is working, not working, Um, I'm really trying to practice getting over anxiety and being myself. And you may find, ironically, by admitting that you were nervous and anxious and all that, that you get less anxious and that finally that may be the thing that cracks it for you and you're able to um, just be yourself. And also, it may just open the door for more talking. You may also find that, by the way, approaching women in groups may be a terrible idea and maybe that's the thing that you should absolutely avoid. But all of this you're going to find out by going, engaging with it um, and treating it like practice. And I think that will be the big breakthrough. And then in terms of um, um really, you know, developing that confidence. The confidence comes from getting good at something. So um, that's a big part of why I think that the practice here is really going to help you out. Um, and then also... You know, where are there other environments where you can shine, where you can meet people? And I think putting yourself, if you have a hard time with the cold open, putting yourself in a situation where people can get to know you, um, volunteering can be an extraordinary way to do something that you feel good about, to help other people and give you a chance to meet like-minded people that maybe share an interest in that cause. Um, They're going to get to know you slowly over time. You don't have to do the cold approach, all of that. Um, You can be, you know, solving problems together, being able to help each other um, in this common objective can be a really pretty extraordinary way to meet people and worst case you're meeting people that know other people and they may see like hey there's no connection here or you know they have a significant other or they're not in your age bracket or whatever Um, but they know people and they see you doing rad shit they see that your motives are pure um, and that's the thing like you don't want to go do something you don't believe in just to try to hook up but if you're doing something that you really believe in and people get to see like oh man this is a rad person really doing rad things and just sort of put it out of your mind that it's also an effective strategy for meeting people that can introduce you, um, I think some pretty cool things can come out of that. All right, next up, Lindsay Wilson. How can I find a positive motivation to work out? I've been interested in fitness for the past couple of years, but when I started, I was very insecure about my body and used that insecurity as fuel to drive me in the gym. Now, however, I've lost a lot of that insecurity and with that, uh, I've got a lot of my drive to work out or lost a lot of my drive to work out. I'm not sure. Um, it's only at times when my confidence wanes that I feel my motivation. Okay, so I'm guessing that was lost. To exercise come back. I still very much want to improve my body, and I know that with exercise comes a whole host of benefits. So my question is, how do I find that drive to show up consistently to the gym and work hard but not do so from a place of insecurity or self-loathing. Okay, so um, here's the reality. You have to want to keep working out once you're in maintenance mode. And if you don't find a way to want that, if there's not something that you can attach to, like for me, cognitive optimization is everything. Like I know that if I don't work out consistently, then I begin to decrease in my cognitive abilities, which is something I simply cannot abide. Uh, That and I want to live for a very long time. So you put those two together, they're my primary drivers. And then on top of that, I do really enjoy looking good naked. So that becomes um, something also. So I have to really focus on those things that I want. I have to really think about why I want them. I have to really feed into that. I have to really talk about the cognitive optimization. I have to make sure I'm feeling it. I have to you know, make sure that I'm Tracking it in some way so that I can gamify it, which I think is really important. But doing all of those things that make you want to do it. So I don't know if you have any sort of tracking device or using Apple Health or anything like that, but seeing like how much you get your heart rate up or what is your heart rate variability, which you can track with the Aura Ring. Like there are things that you can do to gamify the experience of maintenance versus just like when you're in that mode of self loathing and it kicks you into working out and you just sort of yo yo back and forth between them. um, You're going to have to find something that you want. Want, like you want to stop self-loathing. So that that unfortunately is a key and you know that's what's really happening is you're hitting this sort of emotional rock bottom of I don't want to keep feeling this way and you desire to feel that positive way so badly that you kick yourself in the ass and you get in the gym. So now the question is how do you attach that same level of desire to something that um, doesn't have to first involve rock bottom so but that's how it's done All right Tyler. Farrington. I heard you mention in the interview with Chase Jarvis that you can't influence people's environments or parents to control their perspectives, but you can influence their friends through media and movies. You said you'd like to do it in music, but you don't have the skill set at the moment. How do you think a musician would go about pulling people out of the matrix? So, what I'm talking about specifically with music is music really, really, really has a wild influence on pop culture. And if I were so inclined, probably more as a producer or an ANR person, would be to find people that um, can make empowerment cool, um, which already sounds really fucking difficult because if there's one thing that is not necessarily considered cool, it's that and trying to, you know, rap about positivity. And I mean, hip hop really contr- controls um, cool culture right now. Um, it, w- it would be tough, but it's definitely not impossible. And you could get into... Um probably like you could certainly talk about success a lot in music what it takes to get successful talk about you know the hustle the grind um things which will resonate as cool because there's an element of like it was hard as hell and i did it but you can get into the hard flex and all that stuff um and there actually is um You know, it's interesting. I've never thought through music because I've always just sort of blown it off. But like as I'm, because I don't have the skill set, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it might be a stripping away um, more than anything. Because there is some music, man. It gets me hype as fuck. uh, Because they're doing the hard flex. They're talking about hard work. They're talking about doing what others won't. Like there's some real like, grind it out shit in there that i really resonate with but there's also like this mixture of a whole bunch of other bullshit um and if you could just start stripping away that keep the hard flex keep the focus on work ethic keep the focus on grit determination um you know pulling yourself up by the bootstraps getting shit done like there's some really dope stuff there and um with maybe some minor modifications uh you could really make that dope but i think that at least right now for where Um, the world of cool is at the intersection of music. You would need to be in hip hop, Um, and you need to work on those skills, man. You need to work on your skills as a performer. You need to work on your image as much as I wish that wasn't a thing. That's a thing in music. So you really have to have a dope image that resonates with people. Um, and having high visual style wouldn't hurt either. Um, since music remain a way to convey cool really, really fast. Um, so yeah, I think that's dope. Um, and looking at what Childish Gambino, um, did with This Is America, um, That was pretty sick. That was culturally influential. Jay-Z has been culturally influential. Um, So, yeah, those are some good prototypes to learn from. All right, guys. With that, I'm going to bid you adieu. Thank you so much for your questions. If you haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, by the way, that would be insanely meaningful. And once again, a reminder, if anybody out there is into comic books, um, man, first of all, I'm at most of the major comic conventions, so I'm going to be at Emerald City uh, Comic-Con this week, in fact, a couple days. So I think this releases tomorrow, so by the time you're listening to it today, which means the next day, I'm going to be in Seattle. So if we have any uh, peeps that are going to be swinging by Emerald City Comic-Con, hit your boy up. Um, on um, at IC Comics and at Tom Billu, you can DM me there, and I'll be keeping an eye on that for peeps in town. And our book hits shelves March twenty seventh, and so this is our attempt at. Um, doing something really cool and empowering through story Uh, and it's just entertaining first and foremost so you will be entertained Uh, and then hopefully the empowerment comes through and you guys may know me well enough um, that you will see some of my thoughts and words and some of the characters which would be really interesting to see uh, people's reaction to that but um, yeah can't wait to see you all all right guys if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary